and welcome to Dead Darling Sessions. Dead Darlings is a podcast dedicated to the spoken word poetry community, bringing you interviews, tips, inspiration, and above all, awesome poetry. And our Dead Darling Sessions are an opportunity to dig a little deeper into that awesome poetry. Throughout the next week, we've invited a range of poets to come on and share their work with us in front of an intimate Zoom live audience as part of the PBH Free Fringe. And tonight's featured poet is Tina Sederholm. So we're going to be hearing a 20-minute set from her, followed by a round of quickfire questions, uh, so you can get to know the artist a little better, uh, get to know the artist behind the words a little better. For our um, present audience, many people probably already know Tina very well, but who knows? We'll, we'll ask all kinds of things. It's a bit of a family affair tonight, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it may not be as, as surprising for you as for our podcast listeners later on. But it might be, who knows? Um, <laughs> so after that, we'll wrap up the session and put the set online unedited as a special podcast episode as fast as we can as an almost live document of how the session played out. That podcast special episode will be available wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Dead Darlings on Spotify, Apple, wherever it is you get them. And hello, by the way, if you are listening to this on that podcast, thank you so much for joining us. Before we introduce our guest tonight properly, just a quick heads up to our live audience that we'd love for you to keep your mic on during the set if you can, so that we can hear your reaction to the set. Please go ahead and clap, whoop, holler, stamp, and react in any other ways that you'd like in between poems as well as uh, in the chat, where you can show your love for the poet and maybe pick out any particular lines that you enjoyed when we get to our um, interview afterwards. What we've been doing throughout the week is some of our live audience have been typing in questions for our guest. If you'd like to do that, that would be fantastic and we will try and get our guests to answer them. Um, also, if you don't want your response to be audible in the recording, that's totally fine too. Please feel free to keep your mic on mute throughout tonight. And one final thing before we start is that, as some of you may well know, as we're recording this online via Zoom, some people on the internet are dicks. I know that's a are. shocking revelation, but if we get any Zoom bombers, yada yada, if anyone is being a jerk in the chat, um, please point them out to any one of us immediately if we haven't already got them, and we will throw them out into the virtual airlock, never to be seen again. I also like to shout, you have no friends before we do that, but uh, there are various uh, ways of addressing Zoom bombers. So with no further ado, I am delighted to introduce our guest this evening, Tina Sederholm. <laughs> Give myself a boob. <laughs> Do we encourage that here? <laughs> Tina Sederholm is a poet, author, and theatre maker. She has created four. Uh, she has created four solo spoken word shows uh, that have toured extensively, including six runs at the Edinburgh Fringe. A sought-after headliner at, on the festival and spoken word circuit, she has performed everywhere from allotments to the Royal Albert Hall. <laughs> Winner of more than 20 slams and the author of six books, including Everything Wrong With You Is Beautiful, her work explores the modern malaises that disrupt our true longings. Her latest poetry collection, This Is Not Therapy, is out now and is published by Burning Eye, and it's really, really rather excellent. It is rather excellent. We uh, talked quite a lot about it on our podcast in another episode. So, ladies, gentlemen, and those who identify with gender in more complex ways, please give it up for Tina Sederholm, live in session. Thank you, dead darlings. Um, it's so good to be here. And uh, I'm going to do a few pieces from, from Maluta's book, uh, as you said, called This Is Not Therapy. And this book is um, very much, it's got two sort of main themes. One of, it, one of them is finding joy even in difficult circumstances. 
And that's not to negate when difficult things happen to us, but more, how can you dive into any emotion you're feeling and then come out of the, the other side with a greater appreciation? So for me, um, in order to feel more joy, actually you need to know grief and loss very well, for instance. Mm. Uh, and the other, the other sort of underlying theme is this one of uh, having got to the middle of my life or possibly just over the edge of my mid middle of my life and kind of taking a bit of an inventory of, of what's happened and uh, where I would like to go in the future. And uh, as I, because I, I'll let you into a little secret, right? I always thought that by the time I reached my 50s, I would have figured out life, the universe and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that um, I thought my life was going to be like the 400 meter hurdle race. You know, and if I just got my striding right, I would hit every every obstacle perfectly, you know, and leap over them with grace and elegance and maybe a little panache, you know, before <laughs> racing across the finish line and grabbing that gold medal in my hand. Yeah, it didn't quite work out like that. <laughs> and now as I sort of slide from early middle age into middle middle age, I'd really like to go back and tell my younger self a few home truths. So this one is called Tutina of the early 90s. <laughs> the first thing I want you to know. The first thing I want you to know is the posturing, the pout, the ache to be different. The effort to win the wittiest comment at the table competition is going to end with a crash. You are smacking your head against a brick wall and the wall won't budge. Bruised, blood battered, bludgeoned, you will be left with who you are, not the version you wished for. You will not marry the man with a fortune so you never have to think about money again. You will have some forgettable sex and some terrible sex. <laughs> the man you do marry will not neutralize the discomfort of being you. Which is how you will learn to take care of yourself and not make it someone else's career. You will cease to sway, flail in a swathe of hysteria like a Victorian in her gut-pinching corset, contorting her into a shape she was never meant to be. In short, you will grow up. You are not quite beautiful enough to be rescued, thank goodness. Anyone can be born talented or gorgeous. Kindness, that takes effort, especially with the annoying people. <laughs> You're still unique. No one else can screw up in any... In I'm going to do that one again. <laughs> yes. The joy of, of recording this unedited. <laughs> Woohoo! I don't care. I'm going to run at that verse again. You are still unique. No one else can screw up in the particular way you can. And now you have the freedom to do so. Leave others to screw up in their particular way too. It is not your business how they run their lives. Promise to be unutterably yourself. It will make you shiver, but I guarantee you will never be bored. <laughs> I particularly enjoy that I screwed that up at the point I said. At the point you were talking about screwing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was my particular that was way to say. 
It was. It was intentional irony. Exactly. Um, do you uh, do you think do you think I would have listened? No. <laughs> I can possibly I comment. I doubt it. It's very difficult to hear your wisest self when you're being bombarded, as we are in the culture, with so many confusing coordinates on how you should live your life. You know what you should wear and what you should buy and what you should look like and where you should look and who you should believe and what is success and how do you make money and 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 I know it's not just me. Um, I, uh, we have a, a tremendous sort of drive in our culture to uh, identify through what we do, our work, you know, and we spend so much time and energy and, and so many compromises on what we do in the world. But even if you get a job that you really love, uh, there tend to be some sort of smudgy areas. And so the next piece is a true story uh, about a friend of mine, good actor, who nevertheless found herself in a situation which caused her to question her life choices. Rebecca's forearm is starring in a commercial. After four hours in wardrobe, the arm is presented to the company marketing team. They stroke their chins. We're not your lilac is the color for today. No one quite knows what they mean. And the preliminary shots have already been taken. So like it or not, lilac is the color for today. But before the director can proceed, the liquidologist clears his throat. He has poured a perfect amount of cream liqueur into a glass he previously polished to an ephemeral sheen. Now he asks, should the ice cubes be consciously present or unconsciously present? <laughs> <laughs> company prefers consciousness, but today director, producer leans the other way. Rebecca's forearms co-star, a husky cross boxer dog, is a consummate professional. A direct correlation between tapping his paw on a keyboard and the appearance of a liver treat means he is clear about his direction, but even he takes exception when the glass balanced on his head slips off, smashes to the ground. After three years at RADA, her Lady Macbeth found noteworthy. Rebecca mithers about this career decision, but her forearm is sulking. Sniffs that being paid for something ridiculous is better than no payment at all. When Rebecca continues to fret, her forearm gives her the finger, threatens to leave and find its own agent. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, I never knew you did all that. Oh, well, <laughs> I will say that the names were changed to stop us being sued. Um, <laughs> but if you do ever wake up in the morning and think, oh, my God, what, am I, what have I done with my life? Is this, is this a waste? I want you to remember that there is a job called liquidologist. And that is someone who's paid a remarkable amount of money to decide what sort of ice cubes are more likely to get you to buy <laughs> a bottle of Bailey's. Uh, over <laughs> <it>. <laughs> oh, dear. So I guess what I'm sort of hedging around is that I think we're all sort of searching a bit, you know, for some sort of meaning. Like, what are we doing on this flipping planet? And um, for myself, when I've sort of been thinking about that, I've, I've not strayed would be the wrong word, but I've skirted in and out of religion and spirituality and ideas of God. 
And uh, I was, this has happened from a young age because when I was seven, I used to take myself to church and it stopped quickly when I discovered more fun things to do on a Sunday. But uh, later on at school, I was the only girl in my year to do RE A level. <laughs> I know, right? But I tell you what happened was I ended up with two of the best teachers you can imagine. And we spent two years sort of um, discussing philosophy and spirituality and, you know, the historical context of the Bible and, and you know, finding all these different layers. And although I've scooted away, because let's face it, you do not need me to tell you how many terrible things have been done in the name of God or religion. You really don't, you know, with the fighting and killing and ridiculous amount of pain that's been caused. And yet I still find myself fascinated with uh, biblical stories and, and understanding them at a much deeper level and also just falling in love with what uh, what language can do how when you translate things how meaning can mutate and be reinterpreted and I'm beginning to sound like just a minute but anyway uh, <laughs> I'll get back to the poem um, so this uh, uh, so I've kind of learned two things uh, one of which is that an awful lot can get lost in translation and not just when you go from you know language to language you only have to go on twitter to understand how much can get lost um but also that you can have a spiritual revelation anywhere uh you don't need to be in a church you can even have one in the pub this is called vegetarian special at the gate hangs high <laughs> they spelt it le Sonia on the pub specials board. That's L-E space Sonia. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. After all, people in Britain pronounce it that way. But I can't help myself. I keep saying Lasagna, laying the stress on different syllables, pompous ass that I am after a couple of glasses of red. And it doesn't get boring to say Lasagna. Lasagna. La, la, la. Sonia. <laughs> These tiny errors happen so easily. Imagine in the Bible if the word teshuva had been better translated. Instead of repent, the scribe had used something closer to the original Aramaic return. Then we would not need to repent our sins, only return from them. Mm. Like doing a U-turn when the sat-nav gets confused. <laughs> Maybe it was a bad day. Maybe the scribe's bowels ached after an argument with his brother and having certain... Maybe the scribe's bowels ached after a confrontation with his brother and carrying certain judgments on how some people should behave thought, sod it, repent will do. And maybe the scribe at the chalkboard in the pub was having a similar moment remembered being teased in French class as they dithered between le or la, and having never studied Italian anyway, thought, well, sounds like a le. I ordered le sagna anyway. The point is, it was delicious. Tomatoes from the pub garden, homemade bechamel sauce, a sprig of parsley cut not 10 minutes before. Perhaps it is a universal truth, whether considering lasagna or a Bible, one should dig a little deeper 
and always check out the source. Nice. <laughs> I know. Oh, come on, come on. Give me that one. Give me that one. We love oh, a good pun. I love a good, I do love a good pun. That's always an excuse. Put the pen down, make a sandwich, isn't it? That's <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, goodness me. So I, um, <laughs> so who here likes a list? Yep. Who doesn't? Oh, yeah, there was, that was a bit of a, mm, not sure about that. Uh, I, I agree. I, I actually, I love lists. I like writing things down and ticking them off. It feels so good when I get stuff done. And then there's a moment where I hate lists, because I don't know if you ever have had this experience of, of sitting, think, oh, I'm a bit overwhelmed, and I'm just going to sit down, have a cup of tea, take five minutes. And at that point, your list turns from tool into tyrant. And it's that kind of like, <gasps> grows up like this, like, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> you cannot have to sit down. You're late. You're late for a very important date. There is so much to do. There is so much to do. You cannot... My mum's just, I can see my mum just below me here. That's going to work really well on the podcast. Yeah. Tina's mum is in the audience. My mum is in the audience. Uh, uh, she, she said something really good to me once. I mean, only once. The rest, once. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say line of the whole series goes to Tina's mother. <laughs> yeah, it is a good one. Uh, and that was that if you absolutely can't take a break, you absolutely must. Mm, yeah so this is a poem kind of about that it's called a woman's search for peace my inner pa believes i will achieve inner peace by finishing every item on my to-do list like the promise of a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow my pa is sold on the idea that i will only find peace at the end of a list which means there is no peace until the list is done but the list is never done because the end of one to-do list always produces another one and another and a sub list broken into action steps one of which is to make a master list of lists <laughs> imagine if i did reach the end of every list shows made oh world saved books written accounts balanced house more spotless than a showroom then what Left with nothing to do, I'd have to make a notes for future generations list, a please don't forget me list, a what to do when I'm dead list. Because I bet I'll still get email after I'm gone. I'll be on Vision Direct's list for a reminder every three months to reorder contact lenses and no one will know how to cancel it because you're not supposed to make a passwords list. Some days I can't do the list. But the list still produces another one and another. And there is no peace because the list is never done. The list is never done. The list is never done. Oh. Oh. Ah, oh, don't worry. I like what echoes out the awkward silence there. <laughs> no, really. I was doing the, should we clap? No, it's not for fact. We should clap. We should clap. Is it a dramatic <laughs> pause? We can't quite Yeah, gauge. I know. It's because that's not the answer I wanted. I wrote about 15 endings to that poem. And none of them were right. 
And in the end, I just realized, oh my goodness, the answer was in the question, but not an answer I wanted. But it was the one I got. I've always, as I said at the beginning, I've kind of always wanted to really get to that finish line, but there's only one finish line. And we're all gonna get there. There's no problem with that. <laughs> I've always been, and I, as I, um, because of that belief, I've always really loved um, epic film, not epic films, but you know, adventure films like Indiana Jones and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. And I loved it where their hero, you know, went off on an adventure and overcame loads of obstacles and got loads of friends on the way and, you know, touched that golden chalice and, you know, all of that. And, uh, but, cause that's what I wanted, you know, I wanted the big prize at the end, but there was something I missed. I only figured it out very recently. So I'm going to do a little film quiz here. End of Raiders of the Lost Ark. What happens to the Ark of the Covenant? It gets rolled off into a giant stockroom. Yes, exactly. Indiana Jones does not get to keep the Ark of the Covenant. Lord of the Rings. What happens to the ring? It into falls Mount in the Doom. fires of Mount Doom. Absolutely. Let's go classic. Knights of the uh, Knights Around Table. Do they ever find the Holy Grail? I don't think so. I know, tricky. We don't the... know. Yeah, yeah. We just, I just know the stories about trying what to happened find Monty Python. Is my frame of reference in the Monty Python version? <laughs> uh, you know, that's. I actually should look that up because now I've said this line a few times. I'm like, yeah, I should look. I should. I should. You <laughs> can't even remember then. But actually, knights of the they, the three of them do manage to find the Holy Grail, but they have to go into the desert and surrender it up to God. It has to oh. fly up into the heavens. Um, and then one of them dies, one of them becomes a hermit. Can't remember what happens to the other. It's not great, is it? <laughs> you know. So what I'm trying to say is these people go on a magnificent journey and the moral of the story is not that's how you win the prize, which I always thought it was. It's actually what sort of person do you become along the way? Which is also not the answer I wanted. <laughs> so, you know, if there's a trophy going, I'm up for the trophy. But you know, it's the answer I got. Luckily, I've discovered that you don't have to go on a massive heroic journey to uh, sort of get to that feeling of at homeness. Um, that also, you know, when you see a character at the end of the film, there's this sense that they become this, oh, in good in their own skin. And, and honestly, that's a feeling I'm looking for more than anything else is to that feeling of like, yeah, you're all right, you, aren't you? That's it. That's what we're looking for. Um, but there's a quick, there's a quick, <laughs> this will be my next book. Sounds like a self-help book. Oh, quick ways to become a hero. Uh, <laughs> but it's to practice gratitude. Now, I really struggle with the word gratitude because it's always had this attendant icky feeling. You know, you should be grateful. Be mm. grateful for, you know, that lovely purple scarf that Granny knitted. Yeah, looking at you again like you should <laughs> yeah. be grateful for well, that. There's an expression like this scarf exists. It's not a it's not an apocryphal scarf. It's a real no. one. <laughs> <laughs> Some deep trauma. We'll have to ask my mum afterwards. <laughs> um, uh, but you know that that 
that sort of application of needing to teach people gratitude is a little bit off because uh, if you if you ever see a small child receive oh, like watch a a firework display or receive a present they actually want oh this is going to work so well on the podcast I get somebody's <laughs> gonna have to talk my face this is what happens right ready <laughs> For listeners, uh, Tina's mouth is as wide open as she can be. Her eyes are as wide open as she can be. She is grinning the grin of a small child and, uh, yes, looks utterly joyful. (laughs) Yes. Now that's gratitude. (laughs) Anyway, so, you know, as I said, I struggled for this for for a while, but then I kind of gave in and said, okay, I'm going to do that kind of quite famous exercise, which is to write 10 things down every day that you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. Of course, I had to do the more difficult version, which is write 10 different things you're grateful for every day. And I can tell you that by day 23, you're going to have to get <laughs> quite inventive with that one. But um, what I discovered along the way was how many people and how many things had been giving me support that I just hadn't realized. And so because of that, this last poem is called How I Am Held. Take gravity the perfect amount of push and pull to both keep my feet on the ground and allow them to bounce and what about oxygen just floating around waiting for me to take my next breath how about roads once upon a time someone laid the tarmac and even now still occasionally fixes the pothole others built the cafes these tables, these chairs. And what about the pickers who harvested the tea even now being dropped into a pot for me? As for the inventor of the kettle, oh, my hero. (laughs) Never mind Edison and his team inventing light bulbs so I can read my book on a wintry afternoon. I even feel a warm lick in my heart for the council or whoever maintains the drains, so I can flush away my excrement with one push of a handle. (laughs) And the men who clear fatbergs, I love you. (laughs) The world to me not to not have to don a heavy duty rubber suit and breathing apparatus to scramble through slicks of shits and used tampons. And if I ever felt lonely, Now is not the moment. I may be nothing more than a temporary nodule of muscle, bone and fat, but Tim Berners-Lee gave me the internet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, not just me, but I have it whenever I want. Also, almond croissants and the stars. So many unseen helpers nudge me towards this moment. I raise my cup to them and you, knowing this poem should never end, but presuming you get the point. Now you also know how deeply loved you are, how many and how much offers itself to you, my fellow nodules of muscle, bone and fat, (laughs) stranded on this speck of a planet, spun weightless in an infinite universe. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Tina set at home live in session, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) 
thank you so much tina that was awesome oh you're welcome you're welcome <laughs> now oh. to give our audience a chance to get a chance to get to know you feels a bit weird when your actual mum is in the audience <laughs> Yes, I feel I should just um, <laughs> pick myself off, but I can't remember how to do it. <laughs> no, 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 no we love that you're here. Um, but to, to give our listeners, I suppose, uh, a chance to get to know you better, uh, we've got some quickfire questions. Um, so if one of my co-hosts can set a five-minute timer, pretty please. Excellent. Um, we will ask you about a range of topics, um, including life, poetry, and more general silliness. Um, we have tried also to make sure that these questions aren't going to help crack any online security code what road did you grow up on etc yeah. um name your first pet those those have been scotched we um, could do what is your mother's maiden name but we could just uh we, we have your mother on the call so <laughs> um right so ready yeah let's go go fantastic what was the last film that you watched the last film i watched Oh my goodness. Um, oh my gosh. I, because I spent the last two weeks watching the Olympics. Uh, I absolutely, I can tell you, <laughs> I can tell you what Netflix I watched. Mm -hmm. uh, no, I tell you what I watched last night, which is easier, not a film. I watched Ghosts. Yeah. Oh God, I forgot. Oh, that is good. That is I good. just love so much. I I think it's I you know I uh, loved watching horrible histories with my uh, niece niece and nephew when they were younger, and the, it's great. It's yeah. So yeah, very 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 nice very nice comfort TV. Okay, we're not talking about Ghost, the Patrick Swayze film here. We're are not. We? No. We're no. Okay. Yeah. In which Patrick Swayze becomes the ghost. No. Yeah, no. no very different vibe. Very different <laughs> okay. vibe. Okay. I'll um, back out, Rebecca. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which poet do you most admire? Oh man, I find that very difficult um, to say one. Um, so I'm going to give you a couple. Okay. Um, I, I will say for performer, just presence on stage, Selena Godden. Mm -hmm. I could just uh, I've been in gigs with her, watch her and just been mesmerized and the time you know she's done an hour and it's like but that was five minutes how mm -hmm. did that happen uh, on the page my favorite long-term poet uh, is a man called David White who's not a performance poet but um, is is how I got back into poetry uh, listening to him uh, and he actually works in big corporations like Amex and British Airways and that kind of thing, bringing the soul back into corporate America. So he's quite an extraordinary character and and a wise man. And I, I love him. He's, yeah, white, W-H-Y-T-E. Excellent. Nice. What is your favourite Rick Mail project? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Laurie, Laurie, Laurie. I know, Laurie and I very bonded <laughs> over Rick Mail, haven't we? Oh, I, I guess it has to be the young ones because that's what I, I I'd say grew, grew up watching. I watched them. We had, we just got a video recorder when the young ones came out. Probably, uh -huh. probably about the second or third time they were showing, if I'm honest. But um, but I had every single one on a couple of VHS tapes, and I wore those out watching them over and over again. <laughs> Which is your favorite episode? <laughs> um, video nasty. Oh, classic. I know, Classic. right? But also because it had the damned on, and uh, I love that. So grim, uh, was it? Grim? No, they did. Uh, they did not. 
Oh, come now. I can't remember what song it was. It, wasn't it, was, it was Video Nasty, I think. It was Video yeah. Nasty. Neil yeah. will hate me for having said that because he's a damn purist and likes to, you know, <laughs> other stuff. But I like the more, you know, do, 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 do ones. <laughs> what would you say is your worst poetry habit? Oh. <laughs> well, have you got have you got several hours? <laughs> um I I well w- one habit I had to really work to get rid of was the preacher teacher voice. Ooh. Particularly <laughs> because uh I spend a lot of, I still teach riding occasionally and there's a sort of nasal twang and slightly patronizing tone that I got quite forcibly <laughs> I got feedback on it and it was awful because I tried you know I really worked to get it out of my voice <laughs> and, but I can hear it I do hear it come back when I've been teaching a lot so now I have a little warm-up routine to try and remove it now I'm really concerned it turned up on this recording <laughs> I mean presumably you're also projecting quite a lot across an arena from a stage as well then like exactly so you know it was good because I learned how to project but um but also like do it again <laughs> <laughs> And, and, you know, condescending to your audience, hot tip here, not great. <laughs> Fair. Uh, oh, it's my turn, isn't it? Sorry. Uh, what is your guiltiest pleasure? <laughs> nope, not saying that. <laughs> uh, my guiltiest pleasure... Um, I, I do try to not feel guilty about pleasure. I think that's a, a big mistake. Uh, but um, I think when, the, when I'm feeling a bit down, uh, one thing I go back to is watching reruns of Parks and Recreation, because um, oh. I, I absolutely love that program um, so much and it doesn't get tired. So that that's kind of yeah. When I when if my husband comes home and on about number three or four, he's like, oh god, she's not in a good state. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about that horse that wouldn't jump at the Olympics? Did you see oh, that? I'm oh, assuming that's you a did. Whole, that's a whole Saint Boyd, was it? Yeah. Absolutely heartbroken for the horse. Yeah. That was such an awful... I, I didn't see the whole thing. I just showed saw the heart. And I, I was not going to go and watch that. Unfortunately, part of that's the modern pentathlon. Um, mm. It's for me, it's a bit of a contentious thing because they only have 20 minutes to get to know the horse. They're jumping quite a decent track for having done that. And also, I mean, the the, the British woman who won the gold medal, I mean, beautiful rider, but frankly, most of them not that they're being asked to do too much. And it would be okay if it was themselves, but to put another an animal through that. No, that was, and I think there's going to be a big review of it now because that was just. That was that was a horse that that just down tools and it's absolutely you can lead a horse to water but you can't make it drink. But mm. that one was just it had had it with, I think it had been eliminated the day before with a Russian competitor. So there was a warning sign there mm. that the horse was not happy. And anyway, I have I have many horrible feelings about that one. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, uh, and then finally, what is the one piece of writing advice or prompt you would like to share with our audience? Oh, yes. Now, I, uh, teacher Tina wants to come out and give you an entire list. <laughs> I was thinking a about, list. I know. Oh, always a list. Always a list. Uh, I was um, I was thinking, what advice do I constantly have to give myself as the one I would give out? And 
it's a sort of two pronged one. Uh, because look, look at me, I can never just answer a question with one answer. <laughs> uh, but it's first of all is to cultivate a sense of wonder and ch like childlike wonder when you're writing. Uh, when I get stuck, it's because I'm basically trying to impress someone. But if I can go back to what you know, the the Zen Buddhist thing of beginner's mind of like, oh, wonder what I think about this subject. Wonder what would. Well, how do I think, you know, when I'm in that frame of mind, I can write. Hmm. And then I would say attached to that is cultivate whatever kindnesses you need to get you to the page, to get you to write. Hmm. So, you know, whatever, if sometimes uh, I used to have to use bribery, it's like, write for 10 minutes, have a biscuit. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's such a vulnerable thing. You know, you can really beat yourself up about, not not writing or you know it's always when you want something you care about it's amazing how many obstacles well I'll talk for myself it's amazing how many obstacles I can put in my way and so I've always found a little bit of bribery but being kind so um I think it was my second show which I found very difficult to write I actually would go back to bed I mean you know I've been up and about I'd get under the duvet and then I could write I don't know why I just had this kind of flash that that kindness would support me. So I would say, mm. rather than saying, oh, you're not giving yourself health and not being motivated or whatever, go like, no, what little, what little sweetness would, will get me there? Mm. I really like that. That's that lovely. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Our next non-question really is, is there anything that you want to plug? Tell us about the book. Tell us about anything else you've got coming up. Here's the book. Hey, look, look. Oh, everyone here can see the front cover. Well, you can see it backwards. Um, so this is the book. This is not therapy. Uh, all the poems today came from that and, and many others. Um, and you can get it from my website, which is www.tinasutterhome.com. Uh, Original. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I'm on brand. And uh, <laughs> also the Burning Eye website. Um, also your local bookshop and if you want to come and I'm going to have a London book launch I know on the 15th of September at Q Bookshop which is a lovely nice. lovely independent bookshop owned by a friend of mine called Adam Hewson who's just like this all-round great mensch and uh so we're gonna have yeah it'd be amazing first time in London for nearly two years mm. <laughs> It'll be our first time in South London for however long. <laughs> exactly, I know, I know. I'm very sorry for all my friends who live um, on the uh, on the east side of London. I'm like, wow, you you know, come on, I'm driving two hours. Get a grip. <laughs> Get there. And it'll probably take you longer. But um, yeah, so that is on the 15th of September. That's my next gig. I'm having a little bit. I've had this big sort of rush of doing stuff for the for the book, and now I'm having a tiny break, and then that's the next big thing mm. and otherwise yeah awesome. come and follow me on social media or join my mailing list i write essays about writing and stuff <laughs> not that often so don't worry won't spam <laughs> brilliant well that is all folks i believe uh thank you so much tina for joining us tonight and for your incredible set that was really lovely and just on a personal level something i really needed tonight so thank you um, oh. yay and uh, yeah can i just ask the audience to give it up once again for tina Setterholm? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
you can find the recording of this alongside all our regular monthly episodes wherever you get your podcasts um and you can get in touch with us um at dead darlings pod on uh instagram and twitter dead darlings podcast on facebook or you can email us dead darlings podcast at gmail.com uh something we've forgotten to do for most of this uh run has been to say that we do actually have a paypal account if you wanted to put some money into the virtual hat uh laurie would you care to be my lovely son and tell us what your address is it is um to paypal directly at dead darlings podcast at gmail.com and that's the best way to donate um i want to thank uh, elizabeth magoon who's on the call tonight for reminding us yesterday that we (laughs) take donations um because we completely forgot We'll never be rich, will we, on this poetry luck? Opposite we won't. of PBH actual free fringe in person where you would have a <laughs> hat guilt trip at people. the door yeah. and smile yes. at each person as they leave the room. <laughs> I mean, we still guilt trip people on this uh, on this podcast, but not for money. We just do it for love. Um, I think that's the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for joining us and good night. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.